Wow, what a winter so far. This is way over our heads. It's Weather and Climate Podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, cheers to you. Happy New Year. Happy we New Year, Jim. Here to talk about... <laughs> I'm going to clink. There we go. A rather eventful December and early January. We have a lot to catch up on here. Two storms. Heck, the whole year. Really. Yeah, well, 2022 really, exactly. was uh, pretty yes. eventful yes. also. And we'll get to that, the top five weather events, drum roll please, yeah. of uh, 2022. But first of all, Kenny, uh, how are you doing? Doing well, Jim. Uh, I have been, I, maybe we've talked about this on the podcast, when the weather gets really exciting, by my standards anyway, I, I lose sleep. <laughs> I really do. Uh, it just becomes, yeah, I, something changes physiologically. So with this last storm now behind us, because what is it? Today is Saturday, January the 7th. the 7th. Yeah, so the storm, the last big one, that big cement mixer is now behind us. So uh, sleep is coming back into my life. <laughs> I'm getting there. But it's good to be here. How are you? You know, Kenny, I'm doing well. I uh, shared this with you before we started recording. But uh, just to let our listeners know that uh, I had a bit of cockiness during this past storm where I thought my uh, all-wheel drive vehicle, my truck, would be able to cut through this snow no problem. After all, I got through it after the Dome Buster storm of mm. 2010, no issues. And needless to say, I got uh, about 75 feet from my garage before I was hopelessly hung up oh, yeah. in the snow. And uh, thanks to uh, some kind neighbors, uh, they extricated me, and I <laughs> went back into the garage and stayed put yeah. for the next uh, 40 yeah, you hours learned, or so. <laughs> you learned that lesson. That, that's, you learned that lesson. Everybody learned that lesson. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, you saw stuck cars, trucks, even some tractors everywhere. Oh, it yes. It was quite a, quite a storm. That it was, and it was uh, the second storm in just a couple of weeks that we had to endure yeah. here in Minnesota. Let's start with the, the first one. Yeah, okay, so storm let's, number just, one. let's just go real quickly <laughs> okay. here. The first real winter storm came in November. I don't True, even know if yes. we covered it. I'm but not it was sure we did. November, yeah. right around Veterans Day. And uh, that was a, that was kind of a, a, for us in the Twin Cities, that was a bunch of thunderstorms basically it was really humid but up in northwestern minnesota it was the first real winter storm and people might remember uh the big temperature drop we fell out of came down from close to 60 degrees with high dew points uh ran down into the 20s within a matter of hours in some places so that was november and that was kind of the first in a series of significant winter storms then we had you know, I wouldn't call it a major winter storm, but we had, uh, at the end of November, Twin Cities got about eight inches. Forgotten about it now. <laughs> and then we had the big one in mid-December that broke a bunch of trees. Yes. And we're still counting up the damage from that. You were thinking a million plus. Oh, at least. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Easily. Wow. Because if you just think, you know, how many millions, tens of millions of acres of forest Minnesota has, and... In most areas north of the Twin Cities, you were seeing a few trees per acre that were either down or damaged. And so, uh, I, it, and we were just hearing reports about that kind of damage all the way up through the, all the way up through the northern part of the state. So, and then the, the last storm that we actually talked about but haven't recapped was right around the Christmas holiday. We got the light kind of fluffy snow first and then a blizzard and 
you know, the National Guard had to right. get called in <laughs> to rescue people. Yeah, this was a matter of life I mean, and death. Yeah, this you talk was about serious, people yes. overestimating what their uh, True. <laughs> equipment could do. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and I, I get it because it was a big travel holiday. People want to be with their families so that they can argue with them. <laughs> And uh, and they were, you know, mad dash to get home to argue with the uncle. <laughs> and uh, but so it, it wasn't a surprise that a lot of people got stranded, but it was a big enough issue because of those falling temperatures and the strong winds and the wind chill values that were in the 30s and 40s below zero that they had to get people safe quickly. So the National Guard got deployed in a few counties in Minnesota. They were doing rescues. All right. So then we took a little break. It just was kind of cold. And then we get to the new year and we get this next storm. And it's kind of like Slush Monster Jr. where it had a lot of similarities to that mid-December storm. Uh, Maybe the one thing it lacked was the, the snow, even though it was wet and sticky snow, it didn't stick to the trees immediately. It took a little while. And so you didn't have quite as much weight on all of those branches. But other than that, I mean, it was a big snowfall. We had uh, parts of southwestern Minnesota picking up possibly 20 inches of snow, uh, accumulations of 8 to 15 inches around the Twin Cities, also in the Duluth area and just southwest of Duluth. So southwest Minnesota, the Twin Cities, St. Cloud, Wilmer, and the kind of southwestern communities near Duluth, all these areas had over a foot of snow. It was a good snowstorm, big uh, productive, wet, warm <laughs> yes. snow. I mean, yes. one of the reasons you had such a hard time getting your truck or your big SUV, is it an SUV? It's or an truck? SUV, but yeah. it's on a truck frame. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's a truck. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's like an enclosed truck <laughs> right, type right. vehicle. And one of the reasons you had such a tough time was because it was just, it was, it was a wet snow and the temperatures were really high and uh, there was no cold air to be found really until well after the snow was done falling. Right. Well, you know, the thing is, too, uh, we were not an island onto ourselves in terms of uh, extreme weather during this last storm system. If we go look at what's happening on the West Coast, I mean, that's crazy. Atmospheric river? Uh, what's yeah. that all about? Yeah, so the atmospheric rivers, uh, it's kind of like the polar vortex. Our uh, savvy listeners will recall that the polar vortex, it's a, it's a concept that had been around in meteorology for ages, but it became came kind of a branded thing in uh, maybe 2013 or 14. And the same is true with atmospheric rivers. Uh, they have been named more recently, but it's been well known that a lot of the West Coast's rainfall in the wintertime and precipitation in the winter is fed by these long kind of sinuous streams of Pacific Ocean moisture that basically ride in to the coastal areas and then just, you know, in some in some cases they get driven up by the mountains or the terrain and they wring out a ton of precipitation. I mean, tons and tons and tons and, you know, lots of precipitation. Uh, this particular system had absolutely slammed California and it had so much moisture. And I'm talking about the one that hit us, that we could actually... You know, the old adage in meteorology is that the West Coast is the West Coast and the center of the country is the center of the country. And we really are kept separate by the mountains. And usually the moisture that affects California 
is long gone by the time it gets here. But with this last storm, we could actually detect up at the 850 and 700 millibar level, which means uh, in, in English that would be, you know, maybe one to two and a half miles off the ground. We could actually detect remnant moisture from that Pacific atmospheric river that actually was able to cross over the mountains and add, you know, not, not a ton, but add some moisture to this weather system. So that's how potent that one atmospheric river uh, event was out west, that it actually survived, part of it survived the trip here, which is something that I don't recall witnessing in my life, but we're getting interesting weather right now. <laughs> it's not uncommon for us to get Gulf moisture up here, Correct. but Pacific moisture, yeah. that's right. pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, and we know from some of the scientific studies that have looked at the isotopes of, uh, you know, basically where's the water coming from by looking at the isotope signatures of the water in the air, we do know that we get some Pacific moisture here up in the upper Midwest, but you're right. Most of what we get comes out of the Gulf of Mexico. That's our main feed. If we're gonna get an atmospheric river, like the ones that we know about are when there's just this huge channel of moisture coming up, basically up the Mississippi River Valley towards us, and that makes some of our systems very wet. Um, so yeah, this was a little unusual to be fed by both the Mississippi River Valley Gulf Coast source, and then also uh, the Pacific Ocean. Well, let us uh, move on and talk about the top five weather events of <laughs> sure. 2022. The uh, votes have been tallied. Yeah. We, we have the winners. Yeah. Uh, the envelope has been presented. Correct. Yeah, and <laughs> so. you know, I'm going to just say as a preface, this is very democratic. Uh, we let other weather aficionados, enthusiasts, meteorologists, people on the Climate Office Facebook page, um, we let them vote, and it always supersedes the opinions of the climate office. So that makes some of us a little bit grumpy, honestly. Um, I am a bad sport and a sore loser about these, and there's kind of a running joke in the office that, um, you know, I, uh, I, that my, my inner curmudgeon comes out every time we release the rankings because I'm always like, well, what about this? Nobody knows what they're talking about. There's a Twin Cities Metro bias. But in any case, my top five had a different order from the one that uh, our host, Jim Dubois, is about to read. <laughs> well, it was a year where there certainly were a lot of major weather events. So I imagine yeah. uh, winnowing it down to five was yeah. kind of a challenge. And uh, there were some ties, too, we should know here as well. So uh, let's start out with um, weather event of 2022, checking in at number five, the snow and holiday blizzard. Oh yeah, so that's the one we just uh, we had just discussed. Right. We basically it was you know the reason this was, I think there's a couple reasons this this got ranked pretty high of all the events. One, it was recent. It was right around the time that the voting was happening, so it was fresh in everyone's memory. But this was a major storm and. As soon as the National Guard came out, I ranked it my number one. I mean, I was like, God, okay, we had we had official military rescues underway. All right, it's a number one event of the year. Um, but uh, yeah, it was you know we had a a deep accumulating snow that was very light. It actually occurred in some of the coldest conditions ever to have that much snow, and it was perhaps the most precipitation we'd ever measured with 
temperatures that low. So it was kind of extraordinary, and that was just phase one. Phase two was the wind and the cold, and it was really, for those of us in the Twin Cities, it was just annoying, really. It was kind of a nuisance, but out in the country, where you had six to eight inches of snow blowing around in these 40-mile-an-hour winds, wherever it was open, it created a whiteout, and you had these huge snow drifts, and that's why people couldn't move their cars. So that's our number five. All right, well, we had a tie. Now, I assume this is why there's no number four. There are two number threes because it was a tie, and we'll go with the first one. Okay. Yeah, or, did, might, or did I miss something here, that Kenny? Just that's been... my printout. <laughs> I, it goes from four to three. Did oh, I yeah, no, it should be two number paste? fours, and then we go to number two. It's just... Oh, it's... it should. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you know, we got it. Your climatologists are fallible. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we make plenty of mistakes. Okay, yep. well, uh, correction noted. So, uh, number four was uh, Mayhem, oh, yeah. a stormy and damaging May of 2022. Yeah. Okay, so we can't recap everything here, right. but May May 2022 was incredible, and so we used the kind of catchy name Mayhem. We had severe weather on a three-day run at the kind of middle beginning of the month, beginning middle of the month, 9th, 10th, 11th, or 10th, 11th, 12th. And a lot of these were double headers with a little bit of wind damage and some hail in the morning and early afternoon, followed by a big outbreak of thunderstorms later. Uh, and we had, uh, again, three days in a row, totaling five separate events. And that one on the 12th was extraordinary. It ended up producing some 90 mile an hour wind gusts. It dented a bunch of grain bins. It unfortunately killed someone out not too far from Wilmer. And that was, the month was just getting going. We then had this huge hailstorm cross the Twin Cities, produce a lot of vehicular and roof damage. Gigantic insurance claims are still being tallied up from that one. And that wasn't it. It didn't didn't stop then. We had uh, more severe weather outbreaks uh, on Memorial Day weekend culminating with a big tornado and high wind outbreak on Memorial Day itself. So this was a very active month. We ended up with uh, basically as much severe weather as we'd ever had reported in any May on record in the Twin Cities. So it was a, or in Minnesota, it was a wild month. So, yeah. All right, well, we have another tie here, the blizzard, ice, slush storm, and rain. Kind of a, <laughs> yeah. a trifecta, yeah. uh, December 13th through the 17th, so a long-lasting event here. Yeah, and that's the one we also discussed earlier, uh, the mid, mid-December slush monster senior. This is the one that produced 30 to 40 inches of snow in the high terrain off of Lake Superior. And it, you know, we don't have high populations there, so it's easy for Minnesotans to kind of gloss over how significant the impacts were. But when people in Finland, Minnesota, can't get out of their homes because of snow, can't get out of their driveways, you know it's bad because that's our snow capital right there. Uh, a lot of forest damage. We know that people in uh, that the officials at Tetaguch State Park were uh, asking for help from c- citizens to help clear out some of the trails. Uh, massive tree damage. So you know we got a lot of snow here at the end in the Twin Cities, but the, the main impacts. We're up in northern Minnesota where, you know, basically the northern half of the state had a foot of very heavy, sticky snow that damaged a lot of things. And there were blizzard conditions, uh, blinding snows reported in Duluth and two harbors. Number two, flooding in the Northland. Oh, this one is, a, a, again, this is what a year, Jim. 
You remember the horrible drought of 2021? Oh, yes. Okay, so that was actually worst in the northwestern part of the state, running from basically International Falls kind of southwestward towards parts of the Red River Valley. Oddly, the 21-22 winter got really wet, especially towards the end in early 2022. And after having incredible drought in 2021, early 2022 just went off with a bang and International Falls ended up having record precipitation for the year. And we had this uh, kind of historic level of flooding on the Rainy River and in the Rainy Lake area. So not only was it impressively wet, but what a turnaround, going from the highest level of drought to basically the worst type of flooding you can get in less than a year. Pretty, pretty incredible. That is pretty amazing. Well, uh, drum roll please, <laughs> number one, speaking of drought, the drought of 2022. Yeah, that was, now this would be one, this was very popular among voters, but I would note that uh, a lot of our voters are in the Twin Cities area. And the Twin Cities area was really kind of the epicenter of the 2022 drought. We had it bad here. Now, for context, for context, the drought in 2022 was not as severe in terms of categories as the drought of 2021. It was a Northwestern Minnesota's drought in 2021 was a full category worse than what we had in the Twin Cities. But we have a lot of people and a lot of resources that are depend that we depend on here in the Twin Cities area. And this went all the way west towards, you know, Redwood Falls and even to Marshall, where we were in this second highest category of drought. It's called extreme. So it's pretty bad. And, uh, you know, Minnehaha Creek dried out oh, for, yes. for a while. I mean, basically from... September right through you know right until we froze everything up there was no water in the creek uh, and it wasn't just Minnehaha Creek lots of lake levels dropped little ponds dried up other creeks and streams dried up and people just reported having a hard time finding the water that they needed for their gardens and for uh, for regular use so it got a lot of people's attention and ranked number one even if certain opinionated climatologists don't think it was actually the most significant event of the year, uh, the people have spoken. Well, we do have an honorable mention here, and that's something that, you know, with all the other things that happened weather-wise in 2022, we almost forget about, but it's the record heat on June 20th of 2022. Yeah, it's easy to forget about that because there was so much else going on, but this was, you know, something that doesn't happen too frequently. We we hit 100 degrees in the Twin Cities. We broke 100, but we hit 101, I think. And uh, and it was a very hot day. And then, of course, there were massive and, again, killer storms that evening um, in response to some of that heat farther to the northwest. So, yeah, honorable mention indeed. So I guess the big question is, with all of the moisture we've had in these last couple of storms and high water content in the snow, does it do anything to help alleviate the drought conditions, or is it all for naught since we have frozen soil? Yeah, this is a great question, and we've been getting it a lot. And the Okay, so here's the thing. There's, there's snow on the ground, and that actually insulates the soil and prevents the frost from getting too deep. Where we've been able to measure it, around the Twin Cities. We haven't found any places that are uh, sod or dirt, you know, kind of vegetative 
you know, obviously there's going to be deep frost under cleared cement and under roads. But under uh, anything that has the snow on it, we haven't found frost much deeper than 10 inches. And a lot of reports of frost depth of only two to five inches. So, and in fact, I was shoveling that, uh, not the most recent storm, but the one before it, and I accidentally went down kind of through through the snow into the dirt, and I actually was able to turn up mud. Wow. So that's good. So we, yes. So we, we went into the fall about 8 to 12 inches behind for precipitation. Now, you know, there's no drought master that's keeping track and like, oh, you're exactly, I mean, <laughs> you know, timing matters. Right. The um, pacing of everything matters. But we were about 8 to 12 inches behind on the year in most places. And in the last, last since about November, we've made up eh, 2 to 4 inches. You know, and so while it doesn't get us out of the deficit, there is a decent amount of water out there, and it's in a pretty good situation with uh, with that kind of shallow ground frost right now. So it, I wouldn't call it perfect, but it's about as good as you could ask for. And now, of course, winter is our dry season, and we don't want to um, we don't want to use winter as the time where we come out of the drought entirely because that would lead us to having way too much water to deal with in the spring. We just couldn't, you know, so if we got 10 to 12 inches of moisture over our winter, yeah, that would erase our deficit, and we would have pretty catastrophic flooding. <laughs> all, of yes. The, yes. all of the rivers and streams would go bank full, our lakes would fill up, we wouldn't have anywhere for the water to go. So what we'd like to see, if you could kind of imagine an ideal scenario, it would be something like, and you know, there's people who know a little bit, who know more about this than I do, but I think a, an ideal scenario would be keep the snow on the ground and keep kind of topping it off gently. We don't need three more feet of snow, but you know, keep the snow pack through the end of the winter so that the ground remains insulated and then have kind of a gentle melt, you know, so not super warm, but kind of a gentle melt at the end of February or into March where the water gets kind of metered into the ground and then follow that melt with just normal to slightly above normal and also well-timed, you know, every every five days or so precipitation to keep the ground wet. And if we could do that, I think we would get into spring in a pretty good condition with a lot of those deficits at least managed, even though not erased. They would be pretty well managed. But, you know, this is the problem. Minnesota rarely kind of behaves well, right, in terms of climate. Right. And so... It, it might be more likely that we get, I, uh, who knows? I mean, it's, it's anyone's guess. We could lose this entire snowpack and be left with kind of deep frost by the time we get into February. Uh, we could end up with a lot more snow. Uh, we could go back into drought. I mean, all kind of everything is on the table. I just think if you really want the drought to be less of an issue, then what you want is from here on out, maybe from now until... Uh, you know, late May, you just want normal to slightly above normal precipitation that comes at regular intervals without any huge dumps. That would be a good recipe. Okay. Well, you know, this did not make the list of the top five weather events of 2022. We've talked about this before. 
2022 was a darn windy year. It yeah. seemed to be windier than you know what a lot of us tend to uh, experience during a given year. So uh, what's up with that? Well, yeah, what, and there will be a story. That? There will be a story in the Star Tribune in the Sunday paper with ah. a guy you might know. Uh, okay, all right. About, we'll look forward to that. that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a couple things. We, we're still kind of getting our heads around it. It was windy, and we had a lot of people who don't look at equipment and don't look at the data tell us that it felt super windy. And then when we looked at the data, it turned out to be the gustiest month we'd ever, or the gustiest year we'd ever recorded. All that said, there are some, uh, there have been some changes in the wind sensor technology that favor, that might favor detecting higher wind gusts with higher frequency. So we don't know exactly how outstanding it was, but we fully accept that it was a um, that it was a you know windy, gusty period, and it has been, especially really the first half of 2022 is seems to be outstanding. But we can't say for sure if it was the the windiest or gustiest period on record because we don't actually have an apples to apples comparison because we've got different types of equipment right. over time, and we do believe that. What we have now is more sensitive than the kind of manual, you know, spinning cup and vein yes. style, uh, style anemometers that we had in the past. Now, this is an ultrasonic anemometer yeah, you're talking about, yeah, these, right? So these detect pulses of energy, essentially. Uh, and so it's, it's really different from, you know, just counting how many times something spins around. Right. And uh, the other thing, too, that I think, you know, for those of us who live in the city... Uh, we don't necessarily experience the same velocity of wind that the uh, instruments at the airport that record the official measurements do for the National Weather Service because we have more uh, obstructions here. We have houses, we have trees, there's more friction holding that wind back and, and obstructions. So uh, we may not even have a full appreciation, but somebody living out in an open area or in farm country they may really feel that there's a difference now in terms of the wind being stronger than what they might have recalled previously yeah. on average. That's a great point, Jim. I mean, the, the airport at MSP is that that anemometer is in one of the most open places in the entire Twin Cities. You won't find, you know, a, a stretch of open land quite like that for miles and miles and miles. So that's a good point. It, it basically is... If you sit up at the top of that anemometer, 30 feet off the ground, it might be a very similar experience to somebody's windmill, you know, or uh, the weather vane on top of someone's house right. you know, out, in the, out in the country. So that's a good point. Very good point. Well, one more thing I want to touch on today, Kenny, is there's a graphic out, and we'll post it on the uh, Way Over Our Heads website, but it's the top... 24 snow sure. events going back into the latter part of the 19th century. Mm -hmm. So uh, I looked at that, Kenny, and I, I came to the realization, and part of it, I think, obviously, is a function of age, but I realized that I was alive for 17 of the 24 sure. snowiest winters. Yeah. So I guess two questions. One, I suppose, just sheer longevity is a reason why I happen to experience so many of those, but also... I couldn't help but noticing, looking at the years, that we're seeing this happen more frequently yeah. in, say, the last oh, 30 to 40 years. Yeah, a couple different things going on. So let's just do the math. Um, 
the uh, we don't have to give away anybody's age here. <laughs> you may be able to deduce it if you look at the graphic. <laughs> but, but yes, <laughs> the uh, I believe our snowfall record in the Twin Cities goes back to 1884, and it's currently 2020. We're early in 2023, and we just had a, a snowfall count. Right, it made that top 24 list, made it to number 14. So what, what is that, if, if I do the math, it's 120, 130 some years of record. And so uh, a person that finds themselves in, say their lower or middle 60s, might, might kind of reasonably expect that they would have experienced about one half. Right. Since they account for about one half of that record, they might expect that they have uh, experienced about one half of the heavy snowfalls. But as you point out, uh, yeah, 17 of the 24 have been basically in that period. And that really does reflect two things. One is less obvious, and that is that you lived through the 1980s, which were incredibly snowy here. Yes. A lot of those big storms, I mean, I'm just going to, uh, kind of off the top of my head without looking at any list. I am positive that there's two from March of 1985 in there, another one from November into December of 1985, two from January of 1982. There might have been one from November or December 1983. There were definitely one in April of 1983. Uh, we can go December of 1982. I mean, it was just a remarkably snowy time. And in fact, if you looked beyond that list, say we just looked at all the snowstorms that had 10 inches or 12 inches or more, the, the 1980s are just overrepresented in there. So that's one thing. Uh, we went into an incredibly snowy period at that time. And it probably is, that was more related to kind of normal variability, ups and downs, than to any sort of systemic changes in our climate. More recently, we've experienced kind of a different phenomenon. Over the last few decades, the 90s, the 2000s, which were actually kind of not that snowy. We took a break from our snowiness, um, but we had still some kind of big snowstorms. And the 2010s in particular, and apparently still continuing into the 2020s, we've had this tendency where when it snows, there's a better chance of it to be a heavy snow than what we had historically. And, and the heaviest snow of the year has been inching up. So even though uh, we're not in a period where, you know, 1980, late 81, basically through 1986, it was just an incredibly snowy period with lots of, you know, historic type snowstorms. We're not necessarily in that type of period yet, but instead we're just seeing this kind of persistent tendency to get bigger snowfalls right now. And so you're in, and that second piece, the one that I just described, has at least a uh, plausible connection to the change in climate. There's more, obviously, we know that global temperatures are rising. There's also more moisture in the atmosphere because as temperatures rise, not only does the air's uh, essentially the air's capacity for moisture increase, but it also forces more evaporation as temperatures rise off of the ocean. So you end up with more moisture in the air. And that makes our precipitating weather systems a little bit, 
wetter sometimes. And so, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, I, I kind of went back to November and started naming these major winter storms that have been affecting us. And one of the things they all have in common with I mean, the, the four big ones, you know, the one in early, mid-November around Veterans Day, the, the two in December, and then the one here in early January, is they all brought unusually high amounts of moisture with them, given the conditions in which they occurred. Uh, the November storm broke. Remember talking about precipitable water? Oh, yes. Remember P-watt. that one? P-watt. Yes. So the precipitable water, which just tells you how much moisture is available, doesn't tell you if it's all going to get wrung out. But that November storm broke the November P-watt record on four consecutive balloon launches, which means... And we should mention that's the radio son, that's the, the radio device so, that is, goes up by yeah. a balloon and gives upper-level uh, data to Perfect. the National yeah, Weather they, Service. They launch a balloon, and it goes and collects information from the atmosphere, and then you can calculate how much water is in the atmosphere. And on four different launches, each 12 hours apart, the balloon tied or broke what had been the all-time record for precipitable water for November. The balloon didn't. It was the it was the, the measurement. Instruments. Yeah, right, it was right, actually right. the atmosphere. Right, the atmosphere, the atmosphere did. did. It, yes. The instruments reported it. <laughs> right. The balloon right. made the measurements possible. Yes. That was just me. Yes. Yeah. So now people really get it. But um, yeah, breaking that record on four consecutive uh, balloon launches is unreal. I mean, we had just you know you take something. Breaking a record four times in a row is not something we don't do that here. You know, it's like if you break an all-time monthly temperature record one day, and then you break it again the next day, and then again the next day, and then you break the record of all records the, the next day. That's kind of what we're talking about. So that was a highly unusually wet storm. Obviously, that December slush monster number one that broke everything came in with incredible amounts of moisture and produced record and near record precipitation across the areas that were hardest hit as did this one in january and again the one around christmas time although it didn't produce record precipitation on its own we had never measured that much precipitation with the air that cold which tells us there's more moisture in the air at any temperature it was kind of a kind of a remarkable wow. scientific accomplishment so these things are coming in wetter, and that's part of what you're living through there, Jim. Not oh, all of yes. it. You also had the 1980s, which was just an extraordinary swing towards uh, towards wetter conditions, and that's why. But those two pieces account for why you have experienced a majority, actually a fairly dominant majority of the heavy snowfall events on record in Minnesota, despite. Your life does not account for a majority of the Twin Cities climatic record. So I'm glad to hear it's not all a function of age, it's not, Kenny. No. So this is good. No. This is no. It's what you're living through, Jim. <laughs> right. It's what you're living through. Right. Right. Well, in terms of storms, it looks like uh, nothing on the horizon for at least the next several days. Yeah, that is correct. We're um, we're kind of in a benign pattern right now with um, kind of mild conditions. We'll be returning. Uh, nothing extraordinarily warm. The snow is going to resist really extreme temperature rises for at least the next week or so. Now, once we get into the week of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, 
we could start seeing some really warm conditions. It depends. We don't right now see anything on the horizon suggesting like traditional Minnesota January cold. But even though we remain in an active pattern, and when we say active pattern, uh, to any listeners who are still with us, um, <laughs> what we're talking about is the jet stream, that kind of main engine that drives and steers around our weather systems, is going to continue producing, you know, it's still very productive. So there's going to be a high frequency of weather systems passing across the country. It's just that uh, not all of them are going to, or in fact, many of them won't be affecting Minnesota, at least for the next week or so. But it's still an active pattern, and once that jet stream gets back into our region, we could get, get quite busy again. I mean, we have not yet noticed anything suggesting that this, uh, this pattern is about to break. And the next weather system that comes through, given the temperatures we're seeing, will be quite likely to be too warm, given what's kind of normal for Minnesota in January, and potentially too wet. Well, stay tuned, as they say, even in the era of podcasting, stay tuned and we'll have more on it (laughs) as uh, the situation develops. Kenny, uh, enjoy. I understand uh, you'll be taking a little break here. Uh, Nice travels out to Montana. Enjoy that. I have two interesting, yeah, I'm going to Montana to let my son ski and visit a school and uh, I'll probably hit the slopes a bit myself and try not to get hurt. And then I will be up in Winnipeg the following uh-huh. week. Yeah, because everybody wants to visit Winnipeg, Manitoba. In, in winter. In the middle of January, yeah. yeah. But, you know, if uh, if the current forecasts and the, all everything we're seeing on the forecast models, uh, if that all comes to fruition, it will be quite tolerable. Okay, well, that's so, good to hear. That's yeah. good to hear. Well, we will reconvene when you get back in town, Kenny. Great, very good. Well, thanks, Jim. This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. We will catch you next time.